Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney, where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. How's your week going? It's going really well. <laughs> I just returned, as you know, from being out. I was traveling some. Yes. So I'm glad to be back and see you and do this. We're happy you're back. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. So last week, you and Saba had an awesome episode that I listened to, and I just really dug into that whole teaching Mm -hmm. and felt like it stirred up so much thought for me. I ended up messaging Saba a bunch of questions, and we kind of had a back and forth, and it's just, it stirred up a lot of discussion between you and I. Mm -hmm. And so today, we want to talk about that a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I think like we said on that episode, as I was talking with Seba, it's just an evergreen issue with M's. It's something that we have been dealing with a lot, both for ourselves, shepherding our own hearts, shepherding the hearts of our teammates. These things come up constantly. I think it's always something that we need to be returning to. Yeah. And I did want to tell the listeners, Seba has a YouTube video that shows him teaching this that you need to watch. It's in the episode notes from last week. And he has a great document that we have on our new website. The Coworkers Podcast.com. Yes. So go to the tools page and get his identity teaching mm. because having that visual has helped me a lot yeah. as I've dug into the scriptures about it. So I want to just review the teaching a little bit. And then what else do you have in mind to talk about? <laughs> Well, I think as we have reflected on this and talked about this, even since that episode, sparking some thoughts and some conversations, things that have come up over the years, maybe some new insights as well, I think we've just seen how deep this teaching can go and how many shades there are to it. And also even looking at different scriptures that kind of challenge maybe some of the things that came up and just trying to be more fulsome, I guess, in our approach and thinking about all that scripture has to say about this topic. So we're going to dig into some of the tensions. I think we're going to highlight some of the places where scripture might push back against some of the ways that we even talk about things. And so really, I think there's a tendency with many things, we've talked about this before, to seek for balance. And I just don't think that balance is the proper category or theme that we should be seeking. It's more about fullness. When you look in the scriptures, when it comes to our life in Christ and the work we've been called to do, it's more about fullness. And so trying to see what does scripture say to us about pursuing fullness in this topic. Good. So Seba shared that we have foundational identities and functional identities in our life. So our foundational identities, there are two of them. We are God's creation. We are God's child. If you want to picture the teaching, those are truly at the bottom of the page. This is the foundation. And all people are God's creation. That is our first identity that we're born with. From Genesis 1.26, we're created in God's image. So every person has inherent value, worth, dignity, because God created us. God doesn't make mistakes, right? Mm. And The second foundational identity that we have, if we're followers of Jesus, is that we are now a child of God, and we are made right and made family. We're made right with God through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, and he not only did 
we get saved from the wrath of God, but we became his beloved children and were adopted into God's family. And that is the most high and amazing identity any person could ever have. So then Seba talks about how additionally, we all have these functional identities in our lives. So now we're getting above the foundation. And these are the things that are going to vary amongst different believers, and they're going to vary in different seasons of our lives, but they are what determine our functional rhythms. So many of us listening to this podcast are missionaries. So that's an important functional identity that we have, that we are set apart for biblical mission work. We are sent out by the Holy Spirit, by our local churches, Acts 13, 2, and we're sent to new peoples and places, Romans 15, 20. Obviously, all believers are not set apart and sent out for this work. So that is a unique identity for missionaries. We also have other identities, like functional identities that are tied to our season of life. So I'm a wife, I'm a mom. And then we also have some identities such as team leader that come in. And so What I liked about this teaching is it kind of gets all that on paper, and then we can start working through some of the tensions that we feel. And Seba talked about three different tensions. The first one was the tension of where am I getting my sense of worth as a person? Am I getting that from the fact that I'm God's child? I'm his beloved daughter? no matter what God loves me, or am I getting that from how good of a missionary I am? If you are trying to get your worth, your sense of okayness, your sense of value for yourself from how good of a missionary you are, then you're riding an emotional roller coaster. I thought that was perfect wording. You are feeling awesome when either you're seeing fruit or the work's good, or you feel like you're working hard. And then If you don't get a lot of ministry opportunities or you're not seeing any fruit, then you feel really down and you don't feel as worthy. So that's a tension. A second tension is between our functional identities. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a missionary. I definitely feel tension between those. And then the third one is about the tension between missionaries and then other people that are not missionaries, such as pastors and We have to be careful to let pastors be pastors, let missionaries be missionaries, and missionaries need to stay committed to their calling and the unique work that God has given them um, so that they don't experience what Seba called mission drift. Mm. So there's the quick summary in seven minutes. So good. I think that there's just some things as we have thought through this and explored some of these tensions, explored even the categories that we think through trying to think through, okay, along the way, how does the Bible talk about this and inform these? And obviously the training and Seba, they do a lot of that. But thinking through, okay, even the beginning, from the beginning, categories of worth and identity. Yes, I think that those are ways that we can express truths that we find in Scripture. But as we were talking about it, I think the foundational thing, the foundational question at play is, why does God love me? And why does He delight in me? And even more, maybe more foundationally, even to identity and value and worth, is the biblical truth that God loves us. That Romans 8 truth that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it sounds maybe simple or like a Jesus juke or something, but that is really the core of what we're talking about. Because the answer or the question we're trying to answer for ourselves when we're saying, where do I get my 
value? Where do I get my approval? It's really at the heart of it. It's a question of who will love me and why? Yeah. Am I lovable? Am I lovable? What reason am I giving somebody to love me? And so the gospel answers that question by saying, Jesus loves you, period. And nothing can change that. Nothing actually will influence that either way. Like it's a done deal. It's been accomplished. And so even to dig kind of to the core, the root of even why we're asking that question about value and identity is to say, God loves you. And again, that may sound super simple and basic, but I honestly feel like Paul was so secure in that it allowed him to really push forward in the fullness of his calling in his functional identities as well, because that foundational love of God for him had changed everything. Yeah, I think just to dig into Romans 8, since you brought that up, I was studying that this week and two things stuck out to me. One is when Paul said that we have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we, whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit, one of the jobs he does inside us is continually remind us and convince us, you are a child of God. You're adopted. You're in the family. Our Heavenly Father loves you so much, no matter what, every day. And I just think that's good to remember God is trying to convince us, mm -hmm. and He wants us to agree with Him. It isn't humble to think less of that than God does. And I think that's what we can do sometimes. Sometimes if we overly focus on the depravity of man and we're not also teaching verses on how God sees me, then we can see ourselves differently than God. And it's almost like we think we're being super humble, but actually we're not seeing ourselves the way God sees us, or we're not agreeing, or we're not acknowledging that God wants me to agree with him. That's right. Yeah, that's so good. That's why it's helpful to talk about attention as opposed to a balance, because the fullness of both of those things is what we need to grasp. We need to grasp fully that we are sinners and also grasp fully how much we have been loved and accepted. It's actually understanding the fullness of both of those that makes both of them better. That's right. It makes them more and more powerful. The other thing I wanted to say about Romans 8 is at the end of that chapter, when we talk about how we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Just to reiterate your point, Paul is saying that the victory is knowing God's love no matter what. And just that unstoppable love just pouring down on us like a waterfall that he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Basically, it is such a big deal that God is for me that I'm worrying way less <laughs> about how much people are for me. Mm. I think it just speaks to as well, one of the dynamics in the background of this whole discussion about value and worth and identity is comparison. So much of that is rooted in our comparison of how we're performing mm -hmm. against other people. Mm -hmm. And this speaks also to the perspective of others, who's going to condemn us, right? Who's going to come against us? And even the way that we condemn ourselves sometimes because we feel like we're not doing as well as somebody else, or we puff ourselves up because we feel like we're doing better than someone else. And what a what a motor 
an engine driving a lot of this is just that comparison that we have is we're naturally looking to other people. And that then starts that cycle in us of saying, well, I'm, I'm up because I'm doing well, or I'm down because I'm not doing so well. A lot of it's driven by that comparison in the background. But to clear that all that out of the way and be able to say and to see very clearly, like Shaney said, the testimony of the spirit crying out, Abba, Father, he loves me regardless, no matter what. And nothing that I do, nothing anybody else does can separate me from that love. It's fixed. And then, then we get that red flag of, oh, no, I'm not feeling very worthy because I haven't done very much ministry or because my teammates doing it just looks like she's doing so much more than I am. How does she have time to do all that? That's a red flag. And we have to ask ourselves, wait a minute. I know I'm God's beloved daughter. I know that's my identity. So what's happening inside me that's making me feel nervous? I'm not okay because of this. And that's where we have to get honest with ourselves. Sometimes the fact that God loves us isn't enough for us. We want more than that because we're sinners and because we're idolaters. I think that's one of the root problems for me is, okay, great, God loves me, but I actually want everyone to think I'm awesome at everything. And that's idolatry. It's so good. Yes, that's exactly it. And you see how it's caused by not experiencing the fullness of his love for us. And because of that, then being able to say, we don't care how other people see us mm -hmm. and it's not as big a deal to us. I really get excited about this topic of my identity in Christ. I also agree with Jen Welkin Shout out to Jen Wilkin. She has helped me see that we can also over over focus on our identity in Christ, and you cannot have a healthy identity if you are not focused on who God is. So I agree with that. However, I would also say I have experienced growth in my life that took focused work on me meditating on and fighting for seeing how God sees me and believing it. So I just want to dig into it a tiny bit. There are a few verses in Isaiah that I just want to remind our listeners of. I just want to speak this over you, wherever you are, whatever your current season, that in Isaiah 43, God says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I love it that God looks at me and says, you are mine. God owns me. That is my number one identity. I'm his. If I ever get a tattoo, it's going to be his. That's what it's going to say, because it's such a powerful truth. God says that we are precious. Listeners, you are precious in God's eyes. You are honored. He loves you. And again, God wants us to really believe him and agree with him. Isaiah 44, 5 shows this. It says, this one will say, I am the Lord's. Another one will write on his hand, the Lord's and name himself by the name of Israel. God is saying it's good when you're so sure that you're mine, that you actually kind of start calling yourself that or like writing it on your hand. You give yourself a new name. I'm the Lord's. He wants us to be that confident. And in Isaiah 49, 
Isaiah wrote, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. Okay, it's possible. It's super unlikely that a nursing mom is going to forget about her baby. She could. Yet I will never, ever forget you, is what God tells us. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. My name is written on God's hand. That's how precious I am to him. And man, I know this is all like, feels like Sunday school, you know, (laughs) but we just, we gotta not get over how awesome it is that God loves us. It is transformational. And when we, the more, it's it's a never-ending growth because you're just learning to believe the gospel. That's that's what we're doing. So it's never-ending growth. But as we grow, that source of security is transforming in our lives. And I have felt that. And I'm just so thankful for it, which was why I wasn't content with just you and Seba talking about this. <laughs> I really wanted to I talk to hear about from it also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it is a truth that never loses its power in our lives. It's what we're fighting to believe day after day. And I want to encourage our listeners in it today. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I just got have to share as well that at one point, so strongly did you feel this, that you, you suggested matching tattoos <laughs> for you and me that both said his. <laughs> no, and I know. We can't do that. It's so, a terrible idea. Yeah. We... Nix that idea. Yeah. Maybe I could just say the Lord's on mine you and you say could say hers. His. Okay. That's really not what we're getting out there. But anyway. Okay. Um, so yeah, the, the foundation of the gospel, the foundation of his love for us, that foundational identity, and then crossing over from that into our functional identity. And I would say in the same way that there are tensions within some of our different functional identities. I think there's a, f- a fundamental tension between our foundational and our functional. Because here again, I think to the fullness discussion, it's not always the case that there's this really sharp line drawn between our foundational and our functional identities. Uh, I think that this is most clarified in the question we sometimes have asked ourselves and talked about, like if we had to leave today and go back to the US and basically forfeit our functional identity as missionaries, as set apart, sent out ones, how would we feel about it? And there's maybe a tendency or a temptation in this discussion because we focus so much on the foundational, his love for us. It's almost like, oh, well, we should be okay with that. Like the answer to the right answer to that question would be, oh, I'd be fine because my foundational identity is so solid and so secure. But we all know that that's not, that doesn't even feel right that we should be able to say that. Yeah, maybe that's the Sunday school answer, but that's not right. And I don't think it's actually right biblically either. And here again, I think there's a fullness and a, even an overlap and a tension between those two where, yes, we have been and are chosen by God, beloved by him. He delights in us. And at the same time, he has also called us and set apart for a work that he sent us to do. And so there's also the question of how should I feel about the work that I do? Because I also don't think that it's either possible or biblical to be unaffected by the way that our work is going. And so when those things do come, when we are, I think, sometimes rightfully, justifiably sad or discontent with how we see our work going, how do we deal with that? Because there are places where Paul seems to tie up 
his identity and the work that he does. Uh, most notably, maybe in Romans 15, as he's summarizing his missionary journey, summarizing his work, he says, in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. He talks about being proud of the work that God has given to him. But note, even at the beginning, how he frames it all, he says, in Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. So there again, the foundational piece of I am in Christ, I think speaking to and referring to all the the love that has been affirmed towards him in Christ, and then saying, I'm proud of the work that I have done for him. Even to go on to say, I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, so there's no longer any room left for me to work in all of these regions. And so I think for us just to recognize because our our foundation and his love for us is so strong, that doesn't mean that we should undervalue our work or devalue our calling or anything. It's actually should elevate the, both of those things. We should experience the fullness, both of our identity as his child, as his chosen and loved one, and also our identity as his called and sent out one. And we can say things like, Paul says a lot of things in his letters that honestly we would not be comfortable saying. Like even that, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of workers would struggle to say something like that. Yeah. Like I'm proud of my work for God. Immediately, you know, the alarm bells will start going off. People will be, oh, well, this person struggles with pride or he's getting his worth, his identity from what he's doing. But Paul said it. Later in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I worked harder than any of them. And then very quickly, the caveat, though it was not I, but God's grace that was at work in me. Paul wasn't afraid to talk about how hard he was working. He wasn't afraid to say things like, I'm proud of my work for God. And those are those things are okay for us to say. And that's part of, honestly, I think this is one of those fullness things as well, that the more comfortable we get in God's love for us, the easier it is for us to say things like that. Yeah. Because we're less tempted, actually, to find that his acceptance of us, his approval of us will flow from this work that I have done. But it's more out of the overflow of his love for us that we're able to say, man, God's using me in this way. I'm proud of his work for me because it's done in Christ and because it's the overflow of his love for me. That's a good place to be. I think that's actually what we should strive for in our lives. That should be what we're looking for. And even to say about, you know, to go back to the question of what would happen if my functional identity as an M was removed from me, man, for us, there would be a lot of grieving and a lot of loss. And I don't think that that would be wrong. I mean, in Acts 20, when Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders, he's giving kind of his final word to them. He says, I don't count my life as any of any value to myself, if only I may fulfill this calling that the Lord has given to me. And so to think about this tension between our foundational and our functional identities, it doesn't diminish either. It doesn't diminish our functional identity because, yes, sometimes those things change. Yes, sometimes things happen and we maybe are forced to leave the field or we even feel God's calling to leave from the field. But that doesn't diminish in any way the importance, I think, or the the necessity of living in that functional identity as the Lord gives it to us. I 100% agree. And I think it was so helpful the way you talked through that. And I think Paul was really sure of how much God loved him. and. That allowed him to say things like, I'm proud of my work. It also allowed him to say, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Yeah. And I don't count my life as anything, worth anything, if I don't fulfill this calling that I've received. <laughs> Sometimes the reason we don't say those things is because we're afraid of what others are going to think. 
we're really afraid of offending someone else or we're afraid of someone judging us. And Paul was not worried about that. And so I think that's, that's right. a challenge for us. Man, the more secure you are in God's love for you, the better teammate you're going to be. No doubt. The better everything you're going to be, right? Yes. All those functional identities. The answer a, has to be yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better father. And again, just for Paul to model that, not that Paul, and Paul wasn't, he wasn't different from us. He was flesh and blood like we were. And the, the spirit of the Lord is with him. And I think he was able to articulate these things as an example to us, to show us, this is what it looks like to walk in the love of God. This is what it looks like to be confident in it. And again, not to, not to be perfect, not to be flawless and sinless, because Paul wasn't that either. But in the midst of all those things, to be able to affirm, yes, he loves me. His love for me is unconquerable. And at the same time, he's called me to a great work. And both of those things, I can pursue both of those things in their fullness. Neither one diminishes from the other. Yeah. And I think we can see red flags if we're on an emotional roller coaster of, oh, no, I'm not doing enough. I'm not worthy, right? The Holy Spirit shows us. I also think maybe two things. One is we always have mixed motives. So if I'm disappointed with how much ministry time I'm getting, let's say as a mom, you're not getting out in the harvest as much as you want, and you can really struggle. Mm. I am not fulfilling my calling. People don't think I'm doing a good job. You might be bitter and angry that your husband's not letting you out of the house more. You know, we can really struggle. Also, we can have a very good desire to get out and be with lost people. And so part of the discouragement is because of a a good root in our heart of, no, this is a calling and a desire God has given me. And I'm I'm not just fully satisfied when I'm not able to participate in it. And the Holy Spirit can shepherd us through that in the midst of mixed motives. Mm -hmm. It's always a mixture for me. Sure. I can always see, Shaney, chill out. The kingdom of God is fine because you were sick in your bed today. Everyone's going to be okay. You're not that important. Also, it's good that you wanted to go out and do ministry like you had planned. Mm -hmm. You missed out. That would have been awesome to go do. And so allowing for both of those, I think, is helpful. It is. And I think allowing that, you know, the things that we do or don't do matter. Sometimes maybe here's where a place where we get like out of balance or we're not pursuing that fullness of because rightfully so we're trying to address so many of the heart issues that come up through comparison and other things. And we're trying to tend to our hearts. Well, we've majored so much on the foundational. God loves you. You're his child. That is the most important thing that sometimes you'll hear things like, well, you know, God will still do this. He doesn't need you to go out and, and to do these things. And there's there's an element of truth there that God's salvation ultimately doesn't depend on, even if we are faithless, it says he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. That is a biblical truth. But at the same time, he's called us to do things, things that matter. We know from places like Romans 10 that if nobody goes and announces the gospel, unless they preach, no, how will they hear? And if they don't hear, how will they believe? the things that we do matter. And so we have to be able to hold those two in tension and to recognize that sometimes we do fail. Sometimes For sure. we For sure. we don't make it. And 
And the answer to that isn't always, well, God loves you no matter what, you're still accepted. That's still true. And at the same time, it can also be true that we failed. Right. We didn't we didn't do what we were called to do. We didn't do what right. we were supposed to do. The answer isn't that doesn't matter or that's, that's not right. a big deal. Mm-hmm. The answer is, help me, Lord. I'm sorry. Help me do better next time. I think part of the reason that we can focus on our identity in the fact that I'm God's child so much is because the air we breathe in American culture is performance-based worth. And so many people, I will speak for myself, I have to work so hard to change that way of thinking in my head because that's that's the direction I'm naturally going to go every day. Even though God's given me growth, there's still old Shaney inside. So I do think that's why it's always good to intentionally speak that truth and remind ourselves of that on our teams, because I do think we have a lot of people on the field who constantly feel like they're not doing enough. And that takes a lot of joy out of the work. I could name every functional identity that I have and think of five things I wish I could do more of Mm. in all of those. That's why it's so grounding (laughs) to just come back to nothing can separate me from God's love. He calls me his. And so I'm not perfect. I'm not doing everything I want. I think he wants us dependent on him. So can we just talk about the functional identities for a minute and the the tension between those? Can we go there? So 1 Corinthians 7, Seba, thank you for putting this into words, the tension between our functional identities. Now, something I have preached (laughs) and really wanted to emphasize over the years is there's no dichotomy between like, oh, I'm a mom focused on the home and I'm a missionary focused on the harvest. We can be both. Like you don't have to be a bad mom if you want to be a good missionary or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Seba just highlighted to me, true, but there is still a tension. Mm -hmm. In 1 Corinthians 7 that we have referred to in terms of encouraging our singles, like make the most of your season. Right now, I feel like it is really encouraging me that there is a reality of attention in my life. So I just want to point out a few things from that. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And later he says, remain as he is. So we do have a season of life that we are to fully embrace. I am a wife. I am a mom. I am a missionary. I shouldn't shy away from that. And I need to embrace that season and acknowledge all the like kind of pros and cons, I guess, because that's what Paul says. Paul is, once again, he's really blunt. He kind of says things we would be real careful about if we were in a room of singles and marrieds. But in verse 32, he says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. The married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. His interests are divided So there's a reality to my interests are divided. They sometimes 
are at odds with each other. Sometimes I do have to choose. Today, am I going to go out and share the gospel or am I going to be at home with my children? And it feels hard. It feels like I'm distracted. It feels divided. And so I'm really just thankful that Paul says, yeah, this is the reality that you're going to live in. However, you embrace your season. You stay in it. Singles, man, you get to be fully, more fully focused on this ministry. And so his kind of summary at the end of this is, I say this not to lay any restraint on you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided attention to the Lord. And I just think that's perfect because to me, good order means I need intentional planning. We have to talk a lot about this in our marriage every week. We're talking through schedule, ministry. When am I going to be out? When are you going to be out? How do we make sure we are addressing our kids' needs? Oh, this child really needs us this week. We've got to carve out more time. So good order. And then you secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. But still, even with that plan, on a daily basis, there has to be a surrender to how the Lord leads and to all the things you're leaving undone. That's the reality. I feel that acutely. I'm leaving so many things undone right now because I can't, I feel like I can't be awesome <laughs> as a wife, mom, missionary, team leader. I have to leave things. Podcaster. Podcaster. I have to leave things undone, undone in every category every day. But I think, again, it's God teaching us to depend on him and leave the results up to him and fight the comparison. I have to be okay. I have received negative feedback for both too much ministry or like too little ministry. You know, like there's always going to be somebody looking at you and thinking one or the other. And honestly, our judgments of other people normally come from our own insecurities. So I'm going to judge someone because of my own issues in my heart. And so we just have to <laughs> to be okay with it. That's right. Yeah. And I think actually that really is a good summary of where this where this whole issue arises from. We've talked about it all throughout as we've been talking about this, but it really does. It arises from our own hearts and oftentimes is tied up with a comparison yeah. of looking at ourselves, looking at others. And because of the comparison, that's why I think we struggle so much with this issue of identity and where does our worth and our value come from. If we're a performance culture, if we're getting outperformed, then we're going to be hard on ourselves. We're going to feel like we're going to diminish that love, and that's going to be connected to even how we perceive God's love for us. So overall, as we step back, I think as we're thinking through this and how to summarize this and where in the Word, again, this is clarified for us. Another place is we're thinking about what are biblical categories to talk about. It. God's love, that grounds us. His calling as well, that's a part of who we are, what He's created us to be. But also His perspective and how he judges. I don't know of a, a clearer place that we could find where he talks about it than 1 Corinthians 4. This is how Paul starts 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. He says, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. 
But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Verse 4, For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. I don't know of a better place that summarizes the heart issues that we're getting at of we shouldn't be judging other people. And it doesn't matter to us what they say about our work. The only opinion that matters is God's. And also God will actually, though, judge our work. And so there again, the fullness of both, the fullness and the freedom to be able to walk in his love for us, but to also be okay with the fact that what I do matters and God's actually going to judge that. He's going to evaluate how I do. And so because we're founded on the first, we're free to not care about how other people are seeing us, but they really care only about what God is going to say about how we spend our time and what we do with the calling that he's given to us. And that's the fight every day. Yep. That's what we're fighting for. That's it. And we have opportunities every day to practice that. I was just thinking, because this has been such a a part of my (laughs) journey, as we say, um, (laughs) that when we have this performance-based thinking that's so easy to fall into, it really takes the joy out of the work. Mm. It's so self-focused and it's never enough. If you go too far with that, like if you just ask yourself, like how much fruit would I need to see to be satisfied? How many times would I have to share the gospel a week for me to feel like I'm doing a good job? How many hours would I have to pray? I mean, it's never ending. Even if you have an awesome year, let's say this year in 2023, you see fruit that you've never seen before. If you don't do that good or better next year, then you're all of a sudden back to the same place. It's like you have to constantly refill the cup of am I performing enough? Mm -hmm. And it just gets exhausting. I want to address, though, the feeling that I think many missionaries feel of I'm not doing enough or seeing enough fruit and what you do with that feeling. Because we've talked about shame in previous episodes, but the answer to shame is always to take it to Jesus. So you take those feelings to the Lord, and then the Holy Spirit helps you sift through them. Jesus is going to take your shame. He's also going to correct your thinking. He's going to show you, wait a minute, Shaney, is my love and approval not enough for you? Do you Have you experienced recently how much I love you? He's also going to show you the sin or just maybe the wrong, maybe you're just off on how you're spending your time and he's going to correct you and you repent and you change. And so sometimes for me, again, it's a mixture. It's shame from Satan screaming at me. You're a bad mom. You're a bad missionary. You're you're disappointing all your team members. Those are big screaming accusations from the accuser. That's what he loves to do to us. But there's often also like, God, will you give me wisdom here? I think maybe for this next week, I need to spend more time on this. Like I have been lazy in sharing the gospel or, whoa, I need to really focus on the home a bit. I have a child who's really struggling. And so sorting through that. That's it. It's he, he judges us. It's his perspective that matters the most. And hopefully as we grow more and more founded on the the grace and the truth that there's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus, we know that that judgment, it won't separate us from him. 
that whatever the way that he's going to evaluate us is all going to happen within the realm of his love for us already. And so that's what, again, to just say the fullness of both, that we could be filled with the assurance of his love for us that frees us to care only about his opinion of what we do. That's really what we should be pursuing. That's how we address these issues of comparison. That's how we address the functional and the foundational identities is to turn to him and beg God to see us as he sees us. That's it. So friends, get this tool off of our website, this identity teaching, and go through it with your teammates, with your friends, and enjoy talking through these things together. I think it's a great way to go deeper in community and to spur one another on. And these are, like we've said, these are always going to be issues for us. I think the more that we can talk about it, the more that we can bring it into the light with one another, if we're married, with our team members on the ground, with our national partners as well, these are things that afflict all of us. Uh, and so to be able to be to ground ourselves and to point one another's to point one another to Christ and his love for us, that's gonna be a lifelong duty. Amen. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week. <laughs>